Yeah. So again, when I think what that other person's needs are, it's easy to get myself dressed, out of bed, get loaded up. Because, and that's what's so good about being on the road. I'll do things for others. I won't do, I've been so lazy at home, it's unreal. But that's because I'm by myself. I'm not supposed to be on a stage somewhere. There's no sound check time. I'm just sitting, you know, so at home I have to be more disciplined. It's like the basketball player wanting to improve his game and he has to go out there by himself and shoot 500 foul shots and a thousand three point shots so he can be like Steph Curry, right? Or be better than Steph Curry. He's got to be self disciplined. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Today on the show, I've got Chad Hymas. Chad, thanks for making time. My pleasure, thank you. So I know we were just trying to figure out how long ago it was that we spoke at that event together, but as I was telling you, it, it had a real impact on me and I've, I've been thinking about it for years since, so I was really excited when you had time to do this. Well, thanks for having me. It, I think it was St. George, Utah. Yeah, it was, it was great. That was the gun shy retreat, I think. So for people who don't know your story, can you give, can you give those folks a bit of a background? You bet. We can give them a, we can give them a brief version of that, maybe the digest version. I'm a C4 quadriplegic, which means I'm numb in my hands, uh, my forearms, my upper arms. I have good shoulders, but everything beneath the armpits is, is gone. While I, well, it's, I mean, it's not gone, gone. It's there. I just can't feel my chest. I can't feel the stomach. The midsection is gone. Legs are gone and my feet and toes are gone. Again, I want to emphasize the fingers. The fingers are gone. So with that said, I still maintain some level of independence. I am the only quadriplegic known of by Guinness that travels the world alone. I'm not saying that in an arrogant or a braggart way. I just, I find help as I travel. I've been doing that for 21 years. My wife doesn't travel with me unless we're going on a date or unless we're taking the kids on a vacation. The kids don't travel with me unless I want to take them fishing to Alaska or something along those lines. I just, there's still a little bit of that pride in me that, 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 that loves the, that independence that I can get while I still need help as I travel. And so I, you know, right now nobody's traveling or very few people are traveling, which is a whole new challenge for me in and of itself. But, but I was injured while building my dream 20, almost 21 years ago on the farm when a one ton bale of hay rolled over backwards off of the tractor landed on my head and punched it to the steering wheel. And that's what broke uh, my neck. The neck has been has since been repaired uh, with titanium. The spinal cord was, was broke in several places or was severed, uh, that's a better word. And they don't have any stitches or glue or duct tape for that. So that's where my new life was to begin. And I have been, been traveling pretty close to ever since then. I mean, it took some recovery time, we'll say nine months after that. And then I started to figure a new a new a transformation, kind of like people are going through a pandemic right now, a crisis. And if we don't transform or change, maybe that's a principle we should talk about today, Jess. I know we discussed some others, but the principle of change and adapting to change, that would be applicable to people that are listening today. I'm sure many of your listeners are feeling the effects of paralysis and, and being confined and not able to go where they want to go and do what they want to do. And I have some things that have allowed me to be more productive with a 95% numb body. So sorry about the long-winded answer there, Jess, but no, that's kind of a rundown. There you go. No, that's exactly what I was looking for. And can you tell people a bit about that you speak and your CEO retreats and website if they want to see some of that stuff? Yeah, sure. So my website is just my name. It's chadhymas.com. C-H-A-D-H-Y-M-A-S. 
Um, that's my website. And then we have, you know, we've since finished the lodge. We, the, the ranch is an ongoing experience, but we have several horses, cattle, and we raise elk and pheasants out here as well. I host an executive mastermind group called the Inspire Life Mastermind. I do a lot of leadership retreats, a lot of safety retreats, whether they're on site, on location of the company, or I'll bring executives or people that are entrepreneurs out for an entrepreneur retreat, or Shondell and I will even do a marriage retreat. So we're, we're really, you know, we've got our hands involved in a lot of things out here. And a lot of that has been traveling, right? So now we're bringing people in to us. And a lot of that is the people driving in or we're, you know, with the, with the virtual platform, our virtual platform has just exploded. So we've created a studio that happened within the first two weeks of March. And that studio has been a great outlet for us to use, to connect with people, whether it's, I think you're on Squadcast today, if you're for our podcast, but we'll use uh, StreamYard if we're going to publicize it publicly to everybody. We'll use uh, Zoom as, as a very, very popular one. Microsoft Teams is another. I mean, there are several different platforms out there for people to choose from, but that virtual platform, if you go to chatheimus.com, you'll, you'll see how we have uh, taken our message from being an in-person message to a very virtual and engaging platform. It's amazing how this virtual world can allow us to interact with each other and uh, maybe even more intimately than in person. While that seems impossible, there are a few, I won't call them tricks, I won't even call them secrets. There are just a, a few tangible ideas that you can use in a virtual setting that you can't do from a hotel ballroom stage that allow you to communicate with your audience more effectively uh, versus being on a platform. And uh, so I really enjoyed that virtual, that virtual platform. We do a lot of that. And, and where are you guys? We're located just outside of, we're about 45 minutes southwest of the airport in Salt Lake City uh, in the Stansbury Mountains. Okay, great. Well, we talked about maybe picking a different principle for each half of the show. You just talked about change. Before we talked about intention or attitude, what, what, do, you, what do you want to do for this half? I mean, I think we'll go with I think if it's cool, too, let's go with change. Okay, let's do it. Let's talk about change for a second. Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah, please. So, no, again, let's, let's, let's both dive in this together, how we feel about change. I mean, I, mean I, I don't know that you and I, at least in our lifetime, and as I've talked to my parents and my grandparents, my grandparents lived through World War II. I don't think that at least the people that are alive today that, that I have that I have communicated with have communicated with have seen a greater change than and, and every crisis during its time is the worst crisis they've ever seen. Does that make sense? So like World War II, by far the worst crisis. When we start talking about rioting, it's the worst crisis, right? Because that's what we're going through at the time. Right now we're going through a disease that's just wiping people out. And I'm not just and I'm not saying that in a very aerosol way and in an ignorant way. What I'm just saying is that it's wiping people out where they're tired. It's killing a lot of people. I think we're at the 500,000, it's a half million mark. And today is June the 30th or June the 29th, 2020. And we've already reached, and that's that's probably a low number uh, because they, there's no way to statistically count everybody that, that hasn't reported. But but statistically, we've hit we've 500,000 people worldwide have been have been had their lives taken tragically by COVID-19, and and people if they haven't um, lost their lives, they're sure feeling feeling the sense of death in that or entrapment, and they've lost their jobs. Their jobs might not be the same. Work isn't as easily come by as it was four months ago. Our economy is altered. I don't care if your business is flourishing, you're still affected in the way that you engage with people. Family reunions, church. 
if you go to church, the grocery store, I mean, in, in some way, everybody in this world is affected by this, this crisis. And it's been my experience that when we don't adapt or change with the crises, that we experience more pain in our life. Let me just give an example as that pertains to my body. You can see, and I know that the people that are listening to this can't see, but you can see what I'm wearing today because we're on camera. I've got on a hoodie with no buttons. You're wearing a button-up shirt with collars. Looks like some sort of a church pretty boy shirt. No offense, Jess, I'm just saying our, our clothing's a little bit different. I don't have any buttons on my shirt. I'm wearing a hoodie and it's a couple, you can see how big this hood is. Look, look at this hood. I mean, I'm wearing a hood that's probably two sizes too big. That, that's the truth. And we're in the middle of the summer, so that needs to be mentioned. I'm wearing pants that are two sizes too big. And I'm wearing shoes that are two sizes too big that aren't laced up. If I was not, I don't like my clothes. I didn't say I'm not grateful. I just like Wranglers, which are a little tighter, cowboy boots, which are very narrow. And I like my button-up cowboy shirts. The only difference between your button-up shirt and my button-up shirt is mine is for the outdoors. Yours is for indoor meetings. So that's the only difference. So I say that jokingly, Jess. You're laughing, but you're not laughing out loud. So I can see your face. <laughs> so with that said, but with that said, I can't wear those clothes anymore because buttons are a little hard with hands that are numb. Pants are too tight for me to slide on using a slide technique. And cowboy boots are dangerous for my feet. It would cause a pressure sore that I would never know I had. And that's the number one cause of death. That's a pandemic. When I'm willing to change with the crisis, my mentality, my mental state, what I believe, what I believe about myself, what I believe about what I can accomplish, more has come to me in the process. It took me six months to learn how to put this hoodie on. Today, I can get it on in about 22, 23 minutes, just this hoodie with, with no hands. And you can see my hands. My pants, again, they're large in nature, but I can put them on. I weigh about 170 pounds, but the pants are very, very large. They allow me to slide on, then I can button them using a little tool that I made with a dowel and some duct tape. You can build anything you want with duct tape. And then my shoes, I just slide them on with my wrist. You can see my wrist and, and, and I, I use my teeth. And that's the clothes that I wear near every day of my life, unless I'm speaking in front of a group. And then I might have somebody do the last button on my shirt, but I'll pre-button it up. I might have a, a, uh, a bellman or a bellhop or somebody at the hotel, if I'm there at a hotel, iron my shirt for me so that I don't start something on fire or burn my skin or something like that. You know, I've, I've made those mistakes. So I'll ask for help, but I like to exercise as much independence as possible. Now, let's retract. If I was unwilling to adapt to the pandemic that I went through, I'd still be stuck back in bed and would not have been on one airplane in the last 21 years. You see what happens? When we're willing to adapt, change, yes, social distance, yes, wear a mask if you're gonna go out in public, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of others, because no one knows whether or not they're carrying. Nobody knows whether or not you are infected. You just, most don't know. So if I wanna be safe and do what, I, what the protocol is calling for, for other people, because I'm not just thinking about myself. Self, and if you can't wear a mask, that's fine. Stay inside. I'm just saying, stay. Uh, if you want to have family reunions, I mean, we, we've had this debate and this discussion within our own family. And you know, as much as my mom loves family reunions, my dad is all about, hey, let's let's just keep people safe. It's not that they don't love us. We're just trying to adapt to the changing circumstance until until the and the time will come. The time will. I'm confident in that until the time comes when we feel comfortable and confident enough because there's things put in place, there's a system put in place, there's a protocol, there's a vaccine, there's something put in place where we feel more comfortable that we're not gonna catch the flu, right? So that's just the way that we're living right now. 
we're testing people that come out to the, the ranch. We're testing the staff. And I see my staff every day. But I don't know where my staff's been. And I don't want to get sick. Because if I get sick, my immune system can't hack it, right? So I've got a staff of four ladies that come to the office every day. And we're working together. They're not working from home. They're coming into the office. But they are masked. They're, they're checked. And they, they're abiding by that. And that's just, again, I'm not here to, to talk about politics or what people should and shouldn't do. I just think that when it comes to pandemic and crisis, we need to really listen instead of talking so much. And we need to be aware of other people. And if we care about, when I ask this question, would you do something for others? Let me just ask this to you, Jess. Would you do something for others that you won't do for yourself? Well, there's certainly times I have, you know, I'm helping clients with something thinking, why aren't I doing that for my own business? Thank you. And how about this? What if somebody in the hospital, let's just call it a 15 year old girl, had a unique kidney and you found out you had a unique match there and you got two. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, Jess. What would you do with that kidney? You know, it'd be a tough question. I think that the easy answer is I donated immediately, right? Yeah, easy answer. That's what, but that's your gut instinct, right? Yeah. That's your gut, what your heart wants you to do. Then you got to think back and think, well, what if one fails on me and I've got a family to take care of? But your gut instinct, and usually your first impression, what's always been said, what's your first instinct? When when mom and dad were raising us and they were teaching us about good and bad behaviors and parties and drugs and alcohol, what would they always say? Our first instinct was what? Yeah, trust trust that uh, trust that voice. Trust that. Uh... Trust that voice. So you just told me that your first instinct was to donate the kidney, right? I think you're donating it. The thing is, you can't give away that kidney unless you take care of it yourself first. Hmm. Now you know why I mask up when I go to Lagoon or why I mask up when I go to an amusement park or when we're coming to the office. It's not about me. And so when we start thinking about a pandemic or a crisis, we really need to take into consideration the benefit and lives of other people. You know, I, I think a question I'm interested in is just maybe your mindset or any practical advice you have. I think about big setbacks I've had in life, you know. I became a millionaire with enough money to retire two different times in my 20s and lost it all both times. You know, I since you and I met, I was involved in a shooting accident at a gun range and I have drop foot. My tibia bone has exploded. <laughs> it looks like the x-rays look like an action shot. And I got side to side motion back and I got uh, a lot of motion back, but I didn't get the ability to lift my foot back up. And I spent a couple months in bed really thinking like, wow, so many dreams I have as a dad. So I'm a hardcore action sports guy. I considered not going to university, trying to become a pro snowboarder, stuff like that. And all of a sudden this, you know, as a 33-year-old, I my whole vision of what it was going to be like to be a father and my whole rest of my life was, was really <laughs> not a set thing anymore, you know? And sure. With braces and other things, I'm back to where I can do so many of the things I used to be able to do, but not everything yet. I still haven't been able to get up on a on a shortboard surfing, you know, and some different things. And it's not to the same degree as you, but I do feel like I had these like, wow, my self-image, you know, real life just had a collision with my self-image. And I felt a little bit lost for a while. Any, any thoughts about people going through situations like that? Yeah, I think anytime people fear or feel the 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 same feelings that you just described of fear, uncertainty, failure, unable to do things that they used to do or go where they want to go. They're going to go through those same feelings of inadequacy or comparison of the way the life used to be. And the truth is, if I were to compare myself, and I have done this to other people, I'm miserable, upset, unhappy, hard-hearted, stubborn, ignorant, arrogant at times. Because even though we don't think that we're arrogant, silence is a form of arrogance. I mean, I went through this yesterday on Sunday. I don't think I talked to one of my family members all day. 
because I woke up in the morning and my wife was out in the field watering. And I thought to myself, I built this for me to water and she's out there moving water. And I let it eat me up. And so I just, that's a form of arrogance. And it did nothing but hurt her, did nothing but hurt everybody else. I mean, even the pastor at our church recognized my countenance. And he called me up today and said, hey, you weren't very bright today. I mean, he called me today. And so now I'm going to go talk to him tomorrow night. And I guess we could call it confession. But what it really <laughs> is is just kind of getting some counseling. That, that's what it is, right? Right. So, so, so with that said, I, I, I want people to know that, that, that there doesn't come – I've been asked this many times because we always put our best face forward when we post on social media or when somebody takes a picture. We always make ourselves look bright. Whenever we're on, we're on a podcast and I'm on one with you right now, we make our best foot forward, right? But the truth is we're all going through this paralysis, this pandemic, this crisis. And I think that the first step is recognizing it, recognizing that things don't always have to be okay. Recognizing number two, maybe it's good to socialize with people and consult with people and talk to people to see what they're doing to, to get through. If not, I find a lot of resolve in helping somebody else out. You know, one of the greatest, my go-to medicine, my go-to drug is to serve somebody else. If you want to call it a love language, call it a love language. What is not my love language is to receive service from people that I'm closest to. That I struggle with. When that's probably what my creator is trying to teach me right now is to be grateful. Well, that's, I think that's a topic for our next session is to be grateful even amidst those that I'm closest to. I don't mind having help from people that I don't, that I'm not in love with. It doesn't mean I don't love people. I'm just not in love with them. They're not my closest. I don't know them as well, right? But to have my sons or my daughter or my wife. So the second step after, recogn after recognition would be then a desire or willingness to get better. That doesn't mean you've gotten better yet because deciding never was action. Just because I decide to lose weight doesn't mean I'm lose weight. Deciding doesn't equate action. Step number three is to be to be to be active, actively engaged in what those first two have allowed you to to realize about yourself. So now I'm going to create some action. I'm going to go see my pastor tomorrow night to get some counseling on my lack of light. How's that? And and then the fourth step would be consistency. Consistency compounds. When it comes to change, what you believe creates your attitude. Attitude creates your actions. Remember yesterday. What I believed about my wife being out there created my attitude and action. My attitude created my results. My results were very poor yesterday. Didn't get conversation from my wife. I hurt her. The kids watched the movie by themselves. I didn't eat dinner with my family yesterday. I'm just being honest. And here I am, the father of a home. So forget about the motivational speaker, Chad, whatever he sees on the platform. Forget about the, the best-selling author, Chad. Here I am, a father and a dad, and I'm not even having dinner with my own kids. That's a horrible dad. I don't know a better way. How would you better describe that? That's a horrible dad. <laughs> so I, I would call that, and I'm just saying that about myself. I would say that about anybody, but that's, to me, that is a very horrible example of fatherhood. And if I want my kids to have troubles in their marriages and do the same thing, I'll keep doing what I'm doing. But if I want to be better and have dinner, even though I might've gotten a little bit antsy and had anxiety and didn't like what I saw yesterday morning, then I'll find a way to deal with it in a more appropriate way and smile and not have it be a fake smile, be authentic and try and make myself better. That's why I'm going to see a counselor tomorrow night. Yeah. I'm interested. It's not because I'm, I'm a psychotic person. I just, I think there's, there's probably something good about socializing with other people. Yeah. Getting advice, right? Getting advice, letting somebody share with you some ideas. He's probably not going to be the, an expert, but nobody's an expert at anything. A lot of people claim to be experts, 
But if there's an expert out there, that means there's no room for growth. There's not an expert in golf. There's not an expert basketball player. There's not an expert backup quarterback or quarterback. There's just no experts. That means that they've, they've, they've pinnacled, right? And I don't believe in such. That's just me. I'm interested in any things you tell yourself or, or just your approach of when it comes to choosing between the easy wrong thing and the hard right thing, what, how do you work on your ratio of, of having a higher ratio of doing the hard right thing instead of the easy wrong thing? I, I call it, so here's, so four steps of prioritization. You ready? So, so, so the easy, hard thing or the hard, right thing, right? And, and what do you do? What do you work on? Cause we like to check mark off. It feels good to mark things up our task list and they're all the easy stuff. And then the hard stuff never gets done. So here's what I do to try and get everything accomplished in a timely manner. You ready for this? So prioritization step number one, can it be delegated? In other words, can it be done by somebody other than me? I, uh, and if the answer is yes, Here's number two, is it urgent or is it not? So can I delegate that off to somebody else? And then if it's urgent, they'll do it quickly. If it's non-urgent, it goes on their task list to be done sometime in the next five days. And that gets shot down. Number three, do I have to do it myself? Like this podcast, I'm sure you wouldn't accept my wife or somebody that you want to be on this podcast. How urgent is it? And then that allows me to, does that make sense? And then if it's urgent, it gets put right at the top of the list. If it's non-urgent, we set it out for five days somewhere. So I just gave you the four steps. Number one is delegation, urgent or not. Number two is something that I have to be present for, urgent or not. And that's how I do the easy to hard, hard to easy. Yeah. That's it right there. I love it. What about what about in a different format? What about when it's like, oh, I think I should do this for someone, but it would be easy to stay here and watch TV. How do, how do you get yourself to do, so, to do what's right when you don't yeah. feel like it? So that one's tough because... I don't always do what's right. Well, none of us do, right? And so I'm saying no, on the no. ratio, when uh, you're trying to increase your ratio. Yeah. So again, when I think what the other person's needs are, it's easy to get myself dressed, out of bed, get loaded up. Because, and that's what's so good about being on the road. I'll do things for others. I won't do, I've been so lazy at home. It's unreal. But that's because I'm by myself. I'm not supposed to be on a stage somewhere. There's no sound check time. I'm just sitting, you know, so at home I have to be more disciplined. It's like, the basketball player wanting to improve his game and he has to go out there by himself and shoot 500 foul shots and a thousand three point shots so he can be like Steph Curry, right? Or be better than Steph Curry. He's got to be self-disciplined. For the last three months, I've been at home and learning self-discipline and marriage all over again. It's, I think I would rather break my neck. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying I just was a lot easier because I was around people that were motivating me, right? At home, I have to motivate myself. It's no different than anybody listening to our podcast. People might be inspired and motivated in just a few minutes. You and I are going to be done. I mean, we're going to, uh, and they probably won't go back and listen to it again. I, we hope they do, but they, they we're, our actually hope is that they don't. So what are they going to do? They're going to have to motivate themselves. That's why I don't consider in the world to be a such thing as a motivational speaker, because at the end of the day, each one of us have to motivate ourselves to do the right thing. You know, and maybe this is a good Maybe this is a good final question for this first half of the interview. I have, a, I have a thought. I look at things like I just bought a dirt bike last summer. I've always, I've wanted a dirt bike my whole life, right? And I, I've been able to approach it like, like learning other action sports that are hard where I, you know, I watch YouTube videos like crazy and I try and pull out the subtle nuances and I figure out what are the small next steps that I need to practice repeatedly and, and how to evaluate whether I've done them or not. And it, it is more about like be, accepting failure and being okay with failure and seeing failure as part of what I'm doing 
and just putting in the hours and it's just kind of like a mental determination to just put up with crashing and falling and having a 250 pound dirt bike fall on me and you only like just got to accept the pain and and do it and you get these little wins and progress but i look at like we're building a real estate investment trust right now and there's so many of the elements of what we're doing that i have learned over the last 20 years but there's a whole bunch of other ones that there's no playbook like nobody has written the rules for how to do what we're doing because we're kind of combining a couple different models and i'm interested in any thoughts you have on self-motivation or self-discipline when you have to invent the playbook for what to what to practice yeah i have a thought around that jess i hope it helps people that are listening it's the average of five you've heard of that before like the five people you spend the most time with yeah and i want to be better i want to so if i want to better myself i'm going to hang around five people that have better models i'm going to hang around five people that are faster than me i'm going to hang around five people that are healthier than me i'm going to hang around five people that have stronger marriages than i do I'm going to hang around five people that read their scriptures better than I read my scriptures. I, I'm, I'm going to hang around five people that watch the BOM videos more than I, better than I watch the BOM videos. I, I promise you, I'm, I'm going to hang around those people because if I want to, if I want, again, if I want to better myself and nobody's perfect, but I'm trying to get better every day, I've got to hang around five people because you're never number five. You're never number one. You're always number three. You're always in the middle. But if you're hanging around five that are better, faster, quicker, smarter, more intelligent, that are bettering themselves, getting up early, studying, reading, whatever that is, um, learning, progressing, gaining knowledge, wisdom, loving their family more, spending more time with their family. I'm going to socialize with those people and I'm going to socialize and their names are going to be written down and that list can change. Their names are going to be written right in front of my face every morning. Their names are written down and I'm going to make contact with them every single day. So, and, every, and people say every single day. Yes. Every single day I will reach that person for at least 30 seconds to five to 10 minutes every single day. And then that list will change. I'll put somebody on the list and I'll, no more than five because it's just going to be five calls. Now, I might have 30 on that list and the other 20 or 25 I might send an email to every week, once a week. But five people that are better, faster, stronger, quicker, smarter, you know, whatever it is I'm trying to do better, they're going to be on that list for me to contact every day. I love it. Just as you said that, I started thinking of who would be on that list. And I started thinking, yeah. okay, what's the arrangement? How do I, you know? Uh, yeah, I know. And that's why the list changes because you're going to have different needs every day. Yeah. So you might mark one off, but no more than five, because that gives you time and, and you can make, and you're going to see some changes within yourself. You're going to see some changes within your mindset. You're going to see some changes within your attitude. You're going to see some changes of how you speak to people, how you talk, how you come across your countenance, your light, uh, your Aurora, all that's going to, all that's going to become better because you are hanging around people that have a better Aurora better. If you want to hang around people that have uh, a worse vocabulary, go hang around people that swear all the time. You watch your, your vocabulary is going to change real quick. So I tell my kids, if they want to hang around people that do drugs, go to some of those parties where those drugs are at. I mean, it is, it's, it's an easy, easy law. If you want to hang around better people, if you want to be a better person, stay away from the party where the drugs are at. If the drugs happen to be there and you don't plan on it, leave the party, find a new one. There's always a party at my house. It's pretty clean. Come to the party here. <laughs> they don't like that idea, but, but I'm just saying there's, there's plenty of plenty of things to do at the ranch. Yeah. Bring your friends over, go ride the horses, start a barbecue, do s'mores, turn on the big screen TVs, throw on a movie, popcorn cookers there. I mean, I don't know too many people that have, you know, access to all that in one, 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 one stop shop, come out to the ranch. So we get complacent with our party, with our party place. <laughs> so what, what's a good way to wrap this one up? What do you, what do you want to close with? I just, I think we close with how we started this. Those that don't change will experience a great deal of pain in their life. Those that refuse to change the changing world. And if there's ever, 
been something that changes so fast, it is a changing world. Uh, those that refuse it will find themselves experiencing a great deal of pain. So hear the message of the pain that you're going through right now. And that might be finding a different job. It might be walking differently. That was what it was for me. Learning how to walk by using a chair, eating different foods so I don't have an accident. Hold my wife's hand. Never was about my hand. I can't even feel it. It's about her hand. Remember, we do things for others. We don't do it for ourselves. So be willing to change with changing circumstances. I think that's how we should close. That's great. Well, everybody, please check out chadheimus.com and, and check out part two of our interview here with Chad. Thanks, everyone.